You guys had a good week so far, yeah? It's been a wonderful, wonderful journey, and um, that's the subject of tonight. I want to talk to you tonight about what it is to journey, what it is to journey with Jesus. And I know that sounds a little bit Sunday school and a little bit twee, but I want to say to you right from the top of this talk, when it comes to journeying with Jesus, don't ever underestimate the magnitude and the richness of what that means for you as a person. Because when it comes to journeying with Jesus, there is nothing like it. Nothing. When it comes to journeying with Jesus, it has eternal significance. When it comes to journeying with Jesus, it's going to be the best adventure that you could possibly imagine. And sometimes, for every single one of us in this place today, whether you're the youngest or whether you're the oldest, whether you haven't even hit school yet, whether you're like one of the older guys, older women that have been around church for a long time, even leading church, sometimes it's really easy for us to just be a little bit blasé when it comes to the journey with Jesus. And the reason that we get a little bit blasé about the journey is because we forget who we're journeying with. And the world throws all kinds of different things at us and we get distracted in all kinds of different ways. And I want to remind us this evening, quite simply, and it's nothing that you guys won't have heard before, I want to remind us that when we journey, when we say yes and we take hold of the hand of Jesus, we're journeying with a person. And his name is Jesus. And he's real. And he's the king. You see, when you go home, whoever you are, when next week starts, when tomorrow you get on that coach or you get in the car or you get on a minibus and then you wake up on Monday morning and it's back to work or it's the beginning of holidays without New Day, the journey continues. The journey doesn't end here. This isn't where we're going to camp out. This isn't what it's all about. And the thing is with a journey is that we... We love to, to go from A to B as quickly as we can. I don't know about you, but whenever I do any kind of journey, whether it's by foot, I was going to say cycling then, but I never cycle because I'd fall off and I'm a bit of a liability on a bike. But when it comes to walking, when it comes to driving, whatever it is, I want to do it as quickly as I can. I want to get from A to B as quickly as I can. And the deal is with life, it's quite different to that. See, we want to just go in a straight line from A to B. Life's not like that. And I don't know about you, I, I don't want to go as quickly as I can. Because if you go as quickly as you can in life, you get to the end of life quite quickly, right? But life's a weird one. It's not a straight line. See, when we take the hand of Jesus, often what happens is, and many of you have made that decision even this week, you grab hold of his hand and what can happen is that now I'm a Christian and a few weeks later, you start thinking, right, well, well now I'm following Jesus and I've heard who he is and now I'm deciding to walk with him. So now life is basically about from now until I go to be with him and it's going to be a nice straight line and I'm going to walk along the line and every now and again, Jesus is going to make much of me. Jesus is going to break through for me. Jesus is going to give me the best career and he's going to give me a big bank account. And it's going to give me moments on stages. And one day, probably everyone will realize how great I am because now I'm walking with Jesus. One day, he's going to promote me and elevate me. And that's the deal. And then one day, I'll get to be with Jesus. And he'll welcome me home. And uh, I just want to say to you right from the outset, <laughs> that's not the deal when it comes to the Christian faith. You see, the Christian faith isn't a straight line. In fact, life isn't a straight line. Whether you follow Jesus or whether you don't follow Jesus, have you guys realized that yet, that life 
It's like, who remembers Forrest Gump? Anyone seen Forrest Gump? Right. I thought that might have been a little bit old school for you, but it's okay. So life's like a boxer. You never know what you're going to... Right. So that's the deal with life. You, you never know what's going to happen. I genuinely don't know what's going to happen to you guys next week. I don't, and nor do you. Life is not a straight line. It is full of twists and turns. Sometimes it even feels like we're going backwards. But I want to put it to you like this, that if you've taken the hand of Jesus, you are safe, you are secure, and the end is absolutely certain But the journey, the twists and the turns, are absolutely vital to knowing who he really is. Even the moments where it feels like you're going backwards, even the moments where you feel like you've crashed, if you're in the hand of Jesus, I want to help us understand that the journey isn't just vital in terms of understanding him, but in the end, we'll realize it to be so, so precious. Because every step, every twist, every turn, every pushback is an opportunity to know more of who Jesus is. And once we grasp who Jesus is, that prospect is awesome. Anything that means we get more of him is a massive win. And I want to talk to you from a a story where Jesus is talking to the disciples. There's like these 12 guys, for those of you that don't know, who decide to follow Jesus. Jesus comes to them, and there's all kinds of different situations. A few of them were fishermen. There was a tax collector, a doctor, and he goes to them and he says, come follow me. And each one of them have made this decision to leave their old life behind and to follow Jesus. And they start to see Jesus do these incredible things. Uh, And again, I just want to say to you, when we talk like this, don't ever just sort of get a bit like, yeah, yeah, I've heard Jesus, and he did this, and he did that. One of the the little phrases that I love to use is just press pause a moment. Just press pause. So you've got this fisherman called Peter. Just allow yourself to sort of meditate on this story. He's a fisherman. So day to day, he gets up and he's sorting his nets out. And I'm going to pretend that I know what I'm talking about now. I haven't got a clue what fishermen do. Any fishermen in the room? No. Oh, okay. There's like about 20 fishermen over here for some reason. Listen, Peter was a guy who, like, you know, he's dealing with nets, he'd be polishing his boat, he'd be making oars, I don't know what he's doing day to day. And then this guy, Jesus, comes along, he's been hearing a little bit about Jesus, he comes along, he says, put down your nets, come follow me. And then Jesus starts to, to be followed by this guy, Peter, and Peter's just observing Jesus wherever he goes, he's watching him heal people, he's watching him cast demons out of people, he's watching him feed thousands of people just from a few loaves of bread. He's watching him speak to storms. Just just again, press pause on that. I know you've heard that story a lot of times. I know whether you've been in church a lot or not. Imagine sitting in a boat and someone standing up and speaking to the waves and speaking to the winds and speaking to the clouds and just saying, be still. And the storm was stopped. These aren't fairy tales. They're not myths. That's what happened. It's what happened. And so these guys are are following Jesus. They're on this journey with Jesus. Do you see what I'm saying about the journey? The journey's not lightweight. The disciples weren't like, this is a bit average, Jesus. To be honest, I'm going to call it a day. I'll see you later on. That storm thing was pretty good. I'll tell the kids about it, but later. They're captivated by Jesus. They're like, who on earth is this guy? 
There's one moment in one of the Gospels where, where Jesus, he does this hard bit of teaching. You see it in John 6. Uh, and the crowd's basically here and, and they start turning away. He turns to the disciples and he's like, are you guys going to go as well? Jesus doesn't always make it easy to follow him. There's some hard teaching in the Gospels. And he says, are you guys going to go as well? The disciples are like, where else would we go? Because they've started to see who Jesus really is. Your journey with Jesus, it's not lightweight. It's not lightweight. And, and, and I, I genuinely mean this. I, I want to speak to the whole tent tonight. Even adults in this room, I want you to, to hear, when it comes to following Jesus, let us not underestimate the magnitude, the weight, the significance of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Jesus was with his mates, the disciples, and he's praying. It's found in Luke's gospel, the story that I want to read tonight in chapter 9. It says this, Now, it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him. And he asked them, Who do the crowd say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. But others say, Elijah, and others, that one of the prophets of old has risen. I just want us to pause there just for a moment. This is a really important question for us. You see, as we continue to journey with Jesus, and I'm presuming that there's a lot of people in this room that are already following Jesus, which means that when you go back home, you want to be a follower of Jesus. Yeah, I do. I don't always find it easy, but I want to be a follower of Jesus. Anybody? You with me? Now, this is an important question that comes from the teacher. And I don't mean teacher like, you know, some weird old guy that's got a beard trying to teach you maths and big up to all the teachers in the room, sorry. That was a little bit of my own personal story coming out. I actually saw the vision of this guy who used to shout at me about not knowing maths and all that kind of stuff. I'm sorry, that was a little bit of exposure there. Jesus isn't a teacher just like a school teacher. Jesus, by very definition, is truth. Jesus, by very definition, is wisdom. When Jesus says something, you better get listening because it's going to change everything. And the teacher is speaking, and the first thing he says to his disciples, he's training these guys that have been following him. And he says, guys, I've been praying, and I want to ask you something. Who is it that the crowds say that I am? And, and to be fair, the crowds have had a good shot at working out who this guy Jesus is. They're sort of going, oh, maybe it's Elijah, John the Baptist back from the dead. He's definitely like a prophet. He does some weird things. And the prophets of the Old Testament are a bit weird. He's definitely godly. He's righteous. He's, that, that's probably who he is. These are the people that actually saw what Jesus was doing. And, and they've missed it. They've missed it. And I want to just ask you guys tonight to just have a think for a moment. If I say to you, who is it that the crowds say that Jesus is? If you think about it, that question, whoever you are here tonight, is a really important question to answer if you want to follow Jesus. Because next week, you're going to find yourself in situations where you're kicking about down the park with a few mates where you're walking about the streets a little bit and you're hanging out with people, you're going to house parties, you're going over and doing all the kinds of different things that you're going to do through the summer, you're going to find yourself 
around crowds that aren't like this crowd. You're going to find yourself in situations coming up when you go back to school where the majority of the people, not only do they not know about Jesus, but maybe what they do know, they hate and they detest. They don't think that what it says is in this book is the truth about Jesus. Whereas right now you're in a crowd where the majority thinks that this is true. Now you might be at this stage thinking, nice one, Ben, that's really deep. We've waited all week for you to tell us that. Good one. You idiot. But allow yourself just to go a little bit deeper just for a moment. Because if you want to be a genuine follower of Jesus, does it not matter that when you walk into the crowd, say I walk in and I've got my mates around me, Does it matter that that evening that I spend with them, if these are all people that don't know Jesus, that I need to be a little bit guarded with how I am with them, how much they influence me and my walk with him? If we don't know what the crowd say about Jesus, then we're a little bit blind. And what happens is this, is that we begin to drift away from Jesus. And I want to tell you, when I was a a young lad, I was about seven years old when I gave my life to Jesus. I've, I've wrestled with it a few times, sort of thinking, was it that time, was it that time, was it that time? Because I was one of these kids that sort of kept coming in and out of church and, and all that kind of stuff. Listen, I had this moment when I was seven years old, or I remember it distinctly, where I was at my auntie's house and I was going to sleep and I was on my own. And it wasn't off the back of a preach and it wasn't off the back of anything. My dad used to be a preacher, so I'd been around church a bit and all that kind of stuff. I was seven and I remember talking to God very, very clearly. And I said, Father, I want to follow you and I accept that Jesus, you are my Lord and my saviour. I probably didn't articulate it quite like that, but that kind of thing. I remember it. And I believe that in that moment, (laughs) my understanding of Christ was sufficient enough for me to be saved. That in that moment, God said, this is one of ours. It's one of ours. And then I remember a few years later, I had a number of different encounters with God. When I was about 11, I remember being in America, and I was on my knees in this church. My old man was preaching. He was like on a sabbatical, which is where you get a few months off, and we were doing this little tour around the States, which sounds quite grand. It wasn't particularly, but I remember being in this church in America, and I remember kneeling down for about half an hour and just praying, and I remember the Holy Spirit just filling me, and I was just crying. I don't even know what I was crying about. I just remember the presence of God upon my, my life at 11 years old. And as I got older and older, I remember having these different encounters. But here's the deal. When I got to about 13 years old, I started engaging with a few crowds. uh, And don't mishear what I'm saying. I'll come back to it in a moment. But I started engaging with, with a football team. right? And none of the lads that I was playing with at the time knew Jesus. And then I was really big into drum and bass. Anybody into drum and bass? Yeah, nice. Okay. I'm on a mission to bring drum and bass back, by the way. Okay. You guys are really excited about that, aren't you? I can tell. And the guys that I used to like DJ with and MC with, and we used to do all that kind of stuff together, those guys, they didn't know Jesus. They didn't know Jesus. And then the guys that I was kicking about with school, and we used to get up to you know what, like after school and on weekends and all that kind of stuff, those guys didn't know Jesus. And what happened to me in that moment and and through the course of those few years 
was that I stopped listening to the voice of Jesus, and it wasn't even deliberate. Nothing particularly happened in my life. I want to just say that. It wasn't like this massive thing happened in my life that caused me to be like, whatever, Jesus, like, it's all your fault. And I know that's a thing for some of you in here, but that wasn't the deal that happened with me. That's not what happened. Just slowly but surely, the crowd wasn't talking about Jesus. They were talking about, let's go out and do this on the weekend. Let's go out and do that on the weekend. Let's do this after school. Let's do that. Let's start focusing on this. Let's take this. Let's drink this. Let's go see that group. Let's respond in this way. And I tell you, over the course of about five years, I drifted so far from church, I was getting arrested regularly. I was caught up in drugs and drink and selling and all of that kind of stuff. I was a violent young man. I was ready to have a fight at any opportunity. I used to run with a group of guys that we were like brothers together. And if anything went down, if there was any issue at all, then we'd deal with it together. And I look back on my life now, at this point, and I can see that essentially what happened was that the crowd's voice got louder than Jesus's. There was no crowd that I was hanging about with that was going, Ben, keep looking at Jesus. My mum and dad, they were on their knees. They were praying for me regularly. God bless them. And the church that they were part of them, praying for me to return home. But the crowd had this massive influence on me. I've been praying about this today. I believe that I was one of his. I believe that I am one of his. But in those years, the sound of his voice went dim because I was running in the opposite direction. And I just believe... Right now in this moment, I just want to give an opportunity. Because I feel like there's particularly some young men in this room right now. And you know that you're, you're running with a crowd at the moment. You're with a crowd and they're having a greater influence on you than Jesus is. And later on, there's going to be a time for a response and all of that. I, I, I felt like God said to me, you need to make this space at this moment just for some young men and maybe some young women to respond in the knowledge that the crowd is a louder voice. And it's like I get into this situation where in the end, in the end, I actually moved home because I was so scared because of the people that were after me at the time, I moved city. I was that scared. I never said that to anybody at the time. I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to go do my thing in this place. It's because I was so scared about what would happen to me. I had two or three guys after me, and I knew it was going to get serious, yeah? And so right now, I want to speak to you, and, and just if, if you could stop just moving around just for a moment. This is going to be a, a significantly brave moment for you, but you might have even been wrestling with it all week long. If you know that you're surrounded by men and surrounded by women that are having a negative influence on you and you just don't know how to get out and you're just sort of feeling like, I know they're having this influence on me, but I want to follow Jesus. I want you to be really brave right now and I want you to stand up right where you are. I want you to stand up now. Now. Listen. Listen up. This is, this is for all of us, but I want to speak to some of you directly. And it's going to mean just standing there just for a moment, okay? 
just for a moment. Just, you're just going to stand there, and I just want you to fix your eyes on me. I can't see all of you, but I can see that there's a few shadows at the back there as well. Listen, Jesus goes on to say, he says, who does the crowd say that I am? And then he goes on to, to, to the disciples, and he says, but what about you? Now look at me. Look at me. What about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter, one of Jesus' best mates, cries out, he shouts out, says, you're the Christ of God. You're the Christ of God. Now, for some of you that have stood right now, maybe you've never made that decision before to say you're the Christ of God for the first time, but I feel like there's a number of you, you've already made that decision. You know him to be the Christ of God, and it's, start, it's time to start following Jesus and stop listening to the crowd. It's time. It's time to break free. Now, I'm not presuming that I understand where you're at. I'm not presuming to understand the heaviness or the seriousness of your situation. But right now, what I want you to do, if you're stood, is I want you to go straight across to my right and to your left. And I've got some friends over there, and they're going to talk to you, and they're going to process this with you, pray with you. If you've never given your life to Jesus for the first time, there's going to be an opportunity, but you don't have to. But they're going to talk to you about how you can stop listening to the crowd and start following Jesus. Is that all right? So really quickly, if you're stood... Why don't you head over to that door? God bless you. Down there, mate, yeah? Okay. Guys, I, just, I don't want us to, to miss this moment. When Peter cries out and he says, you're the Christ of God, I don't want us to miss collectively the statement that he makes because what Peter is saying isn't just sort of like this moment where he's just gone, oh, like, I think you're the Christ of God. It's not just a moment of like madness where he's cried out. Remember that Peter has been walking with Jesus. He's seen him heal the sick. He's seen him cast out demons. He's seen him speak to storms and they've been made still. And so he's come to the conclusion, he's like, you're the Christ of God. And again, for so many of us that are on this journey with Jesus, this was the deal with me. And I don't mean when I was 13 years old. I mean, I'm talking about five, six, seven, eight years ago. I'm walking with Jesus. I'm pursuing him. But when I talk about Christ of God, the, the, the weight and magnitude of who he is, it, it just wasn't unsettling me in the way that now I realize that when we really get hold of who he is, unsettles us. And I mean that in a positive way. And guys, the, the beautiful thing is that the longer that we go on the journey with him, every single step of the way, we're going to get a greater understanding of who this person is. But I just want to say that too often we are not simply apathetic towards the journey, but we're apathetic towards the person of Jesus Christ. And I want to say it, it's, it's nothing, as, as I said earlier, that you haven't heard before. When Peter says you're the Christ of God, what he's declaring is you're the king. You're the one that the prophets of the Old Testament spoke about that would come and change everything. You're the son of the living God. You're the one that's come from heaven to earth. You're the one that's come to change everything as we know it. And sometimes we're a little bit flippant with the way that we talk about Jesus Christ. We say, oh, well, do you have a faith? You're like, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Okay, cool. Well, who is he? And we're like, well, like, you know, son of God, and he did stuff, the food and the wine, walked on water, I think, that was a thing. And like I believe that he died on the cross and that he rose again and, and that's, that's wonderful. Please, I'm not undermining the simplicity of the beginning of the journey. But what I want us to understand is this, is that as we progress in the journey, that we must be deliberate with understanding more and more about who this awesome, awesome Savior is. He is the Christ of God. 
the Christ of God. He is the King of kings. He is the one that sustains all things in his hand. He's the one who is outside of time and holds time in his hands. He is the beginning and the end. He is the one who had the first word. He's the one who will have the last word. He's the one that lived the perfect life. He's the one that died on the cross and the the only one that could die on the cross that meant that sin was dealt with once and for all. And listen, he did go into the tomb. He was there. The son of the living God was there in the tomb, dead. Tomb's empty. Three days later, he's risen to life. And he sat on the throne of glory. And he sat on that throne. He's real. He's a real person, completely God, completely man. And he will be sat on that throne forever and ever and ever and ever. This is the Jesus that we're talking about. So I want to encourage us that when we talk about this journey... We need to get a little bit more, uh, I don't just mean excited in a silly way about Jesus, we need to get a bit more serious about Jesus. If he is, if he really is who the Bible says that he is, if he really is who the Bible says that he is, then for many of us in this room, and I'm talking to myself here as well, we need to wake up, right? Because I tell you, this journey has an end. This journey has an end. And one day we will shut our eyes on on life as we know it. And we will open our eyes. And I tell you who we're going to be face to face with. And it ain't going to be the winner of Love Island. Don't cheer that. Don't cheer that. Don't cheer that. Now I'll tell you. There's a little bit of banter there. People are still pushing. When you close your eyes on life as you know it, you are going to open your eyes and you are going to see Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. Jesus is like, what you've said, Peter, is true. And he goes on and and he says, strictly charges them and commands them not to tell anyone, saying the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day raised again. This is a bit of an odd twist in the story. The disciples are sitting there and they're all just chilling out and Jesus is like, I've been praying. Who do the crowd say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And then Peter nails it. So you're the Christ. You're the Christ of God. You're the king. At this point, I'd be sort of thinking, right, now we've sorted that out. Let's get down to the business. Let's hit Jerusalem, we take it, we destroy the Romans, we push out the elders, we'll start with Jerusalem, then maybe we'll go to the nation, then maybe the nations, and basically you're in charge, but because I'm with you, we'll all be in charge, I'll have a throne, you can have a throne, we'll all have thrones, and basically, Jesus, you're going to change everything, because you're the king, and you've come to smash up the Romans, and you've come to deal with all of this stuff. No longer are we going to be oppressed. And it's really fascinating, isn't it, that Jesus says, okay, you're right, I am the Christ, First of all, job number one, don't tell anyone. Job number two, I'm going to suffer. Number three, I'm going to be rejected. Number four, I'm going to be killed. And if I was me, I'd be sort of sat there, I'm like scratching my head sort of thinking, Jesus, are you for real? You're the Christ of God. You're the one that's come to change everything. What on earth are you going on about? But let's not miss that last thing that he says. He says, I must suffer many things. I must be rejected. I must be killed. But on the third day, 
I'll be raised. You see, Jesus is able to, to look at the journey and he's able to look at suffering in the face. He's able to look at rejection in the face. He's able to even look at death in the face. Why? Here's the deal. It's because it's the Father's will and because he knows what lies beyond the grave. He knows that in the perfect will of the Father that his suffering, rejection, and death is going to win to himself a people. He knows that the Father is faithful, perfectly faithful. Even through the hardest of times, he is faithful. And he knows the power of the Holy Spirit, and he knows that there is life that is beyond the grave. And what's interesting about this bit of the story that we mustn't miss, do you, do you see that Jesus actually knows the journey that's coming? Do you see that in the story? You know all the twists and turns that I talked about that none of us have got a clue. We haven't got a clue where we're going. We don't know what's happening tomorrow. We don't know what's happening next week, next month. Jesus knows. He knows what's coming. And what does he do? Does he run away from the suffering? Does he like sidestep the rejection? Does he go to another nation to avoid the killing? No, he faces it head on. The Father's will. Perfect life. Perfect death. Resurrection, winning a people to myself. Jesus knows exactly what's to come. The disciples don't. I don't. You don't. But he does. And get this. This is brilliant. He doesn't just know his own journey. He knows your journey. He knows your journey. See, when you take the hand of Jesus, what you're doing is you're taking the hand of Christ God himself. And this is what I mean. This isn't lightweight. When Jesus comes to you and says, hey, come follow me. And you're like, yeah, okay, cool. Now the future's like skipping through the daisy fields and everything's going to be great with Jesus. Come on. That's my little dance for the evening. You're not just taking the hand of, of a mate. You're not just taking the hand of like a really respectable character. You're taking the hand of the Christ of God the risen king. And he's saying, I'm going to hold your hand for the rest of eternity. And I know every single step that you're going to take. I will be with you. And the thing is with Jesus, like whatever the journey, you've got to know this, that Jesus says that I'm going to be constant and I'm going to be consistent and I'm going to be committed to you like no other. I'm going to be committed to you and every single step of the journey, I'm going to commit to you when you're suffering. I'm going to commit to you when you're grieving. I'm going to commit to you when you're feeling high and when you're feeling low. I'm going to commit to you when you're doing your exams and when you're going traveling around the world. I'm committed to you. I'm committed to every single step of the way. I'm zealous for you. Well, what does that mean? In what way is he committed? What is he after when we're going on this journey? What's going on with all the stuff that happens? Let's keep reading. He said to all of them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. What Jesus is saying here is, is remarkably profound again. He's saying, if you really want to follow me, anyone that wants to come after me, you must, and, and we underline that word, must deny yourself. 
And he says it in the first instance. So when Jesus first finds us and we don't know who he is and he comes to us and he says, come follow me, then that's the moment where we say, yeah, we deny ourselves and we follow him. But like I said, right at the top of this message is that often a few weeks later, months, years, years down the line, often what we find ourselves doing is forgetting that every single day we need the grace and the mercy of God. And he's saying you must deny yourself not just once. He's saying you must deny yourself daily. Daily, you must die to yourself. What Jesus is consistently committed to is us becoming more and more dependent on what? On God. And so every single step of the way, what Jesus is committed to is knocking off the legs that we're standing on in life. Whether it's power, whether it's money, whether it's sex, whether it's addiction, whatever it is, whatever we turn to when the going gets tough, every single moment, whether it's a good moment or a bad moment, one of the things that Jesus is most zealous in our lives for is for us to become more and more dependent upon him. That's what he's about. That's what he's about until there are no legs left on the table and we're reduced to only have him. Because there is no other answer. There is nowhere else that you can turn. And Jesus is saying, you've got to do that on a daily basis. Every single day. And it sounds quite all doom and gloom, but listen, I I want us to really understand this. If you learn on a daily basis, this is what I'm, I'm wanting us to get tonight. That when we go home, when we continue on the journey with Jesus, if we can learn on a daily basis to have an attitude that says, Jesus, you are my king, which means that you are in charge, which means that I am going to bow to what you say. I'm going to come under your authority and, and do me a favor, everybody in the room, and I'm talking to everybody, let's not pretend for one moment that we all like to come under authority. It's not easy to come under authority. Anyone with me? We like to do it our way. Even if we're good at coming under authority, there are definitely moments on a daily basis where I like to do it my way. Talk to my wife, Vicky. No, don't actually, she'll, no, she'll tell you too much in, in that case. But no, I like to do it my way so often. When we say yes to Jesus, we're saying no to thousands of other things. So that when we're in the school corridor, there's going to be moments where if we're saying yes to Jesus, we're saying, hey, I don't do things like that. I'm going this way. I do things like this. When we're with our mates out and about and the way that they're talking and the engagement that they're doing and how it's all going on and things are going down at the party, it's like, I don't do things like that. I do it like this. But it's not just the obvious stuff. When we wake up in the morning, we say, Jesus, I'm I'm throwing my own crown down. I'm saying that I'm not the king of my own life. You are the king. And I surrender to you. Jesus will start to just press in on all kinds of different things in our lives. And it's like, oh no, he's going to see it all. Of course he's going to see it all. He's the Christ of God. He knows it all already. All you're doing is bowing the knee to the one that knows all of it anyway. And then gently and kindly and full of love and full of compassion, he comes and he presses his finger and he says, Ben, right now, Ben, you're full of pride. And Ben, right now in this season of your life, you've been leaning on your friend and you've not been coming to me. And Ben, right now in this season of your life, it's been alcohol and it's got to go because I want you to see me 
And every time we choose to die to something, the subtle things and the obvious thing, every time we say, Jesus, you're the king, and so I die to this, we get more of Jesus. And so what starts to happen? Every step on the journey, the twists, the turns, the moments of suffering and grieving, the good bits, the bad bits, every time we submit and we get more of Jesus, we come to love dying to self. Doesn't necessarily become easy, can be very difficult when we have to lay things down, when we have to give things up, when we have to move away from certain situations. It doesn't necessarily become easy, but it becomes a joy. Why? Because we start to see more and more of who it is that we're getting. You see, the more that we die to, the more we get Jesus. Guys, uh, I simply want to say, just as we come to the end of this week, I just want to remind you, I, I, I don't know how else to do it. Hopefully it, it's helped just talking a bit about him again tonight. But I, I want to remind you that you're going home to a person. You're not going home to put your faith in a faith. It's not a theory. It's not an idea. It's not like I'm signed up to this club. You're signed up. You're following a person and he's real. You're following Jesus. He's faithful. He's committed. He's zealous. And all through your life, he's committed to you knowing him more and more and more. And he wants you to know him more and more and more so that you become more dependent upon him. You're following a person. You're bowing the knee to a king On a daily basis, if you make the decision tonight to say, look, every time I wake up in the morning, it doesn't need to be some big deal where there's like lightning and clouds and thunder and all that kind of stuff. I'm just having these radical encounters. If you wake up every single morning and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that is amazing enough, right? To be able to say, Jesus, I choose you today. And it's not me. I'm not in charge. I'm not in charge of how I spend my money. I'm not in charge of where I live. I'm not in charge of how I conduct myself. I'm coming under your authority. I'm choosing your way, not my way. That will change your life forever. And the way that we do that is getting into this. It's getting into his word. It's praying. It's receiving the Holy Spirit. It's being in community in the church. Everything that we've heard this week, everything that we've been talking about, in the end, it all comes back to what? It comes back to him. It comes back to a relationship with a king. It comes back to a place and a position of attitude. It's your attitude where you say, I'm casting my own crown down and I'm following him. Following Jesus is awesome. The journey is awesome. He is in the journey. He's in every single step. And guys, as I said earlier, and this is where I just want to land, that this journey, these twists, these turns, the moments of going back, the moments that we don't feel like we've got it right, all of those things, when we commit ourselves to him, when we say yes, when we put our hand into his hand, he is committed and faithful to us right to the very end. Right to the very end. Until one day, one day, every single one of us are going to see him face to face. That's the reality. And so as we follow Jesus, we're following him somewhere. (laughs) 
We're going to be with him for eternity. We're going to know him, walk with him, talk with him. And so there's things now in this life that we need to die to, that we need to lay down, that we need to surrender. We need to take this person of Jesus seriously. We need to stop living so flippantly about who Jesus is in the gospel. It's weighty. It's full of joy. It's full of joy. It's full of great joy, eternal joy. It's weighty. It's serious. It's not fairy tale stuff. So right now, just all across this room, I just want to invite you, if you're a follower of Jesus, and you know you just want to take Jesus seriously, you know that you want to every day pick up your cross and follow him, every day deny yourself and say, you are Lord, I'm going to do it your way, not my way. If you know that, if you're a believer and you're following Jesus and you know that, I want to just invite you to kneel with me. Right now, let's just kneel together. Don't talk, just, just kneel. Let's not talk. Shh, 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 shh. And I want you to close your eyes. And I want you just to think about your king. I'm going to pray for us. And then I just want to invite you to start to talk to your king in a place of surrender. For some of you, there's particular things that you know you need to die to. For some of you, it's sin. There's obvious things in your life and you're saying, Jesus, I know I need to walk away from that. For some of you, it's the whole crowd thing still. For some of you, it's a little bit more subtle. Some of you, it's, it's been pride. And you fill in the gap. Jesus, tonight, I, I, know, I know I need to die to this. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us where we try to be king or queen of our own life. Forgive us where we try to fix things ourselves. Forgive us where we try to make things work in our own strength. Forgive us even as leaders and even as those that follow you, Lord Jesus. Forgive us where we do it in our own strength, Lord. Forgive us that we make it more about us than about you. And I pray right now all across this room, all across this room, that as you pinpoint, as you lay your finger upon certain aspects of our attitude, certain aspects of our character, certain aspects of the way that we're behaving, I pray now for a sincere repenting, a turning away, a 180 and a walking away. I pray, Holy Spirit, across this room, would you help us settle it in our hearts that no longer am I going to live like that. No longer am I going to live as if I'm the king of my life. I'm tonight committing again that Jesus, you are the king of my life. And Spirit of God, I pray that you would help us to do this on a daily basis and to walk with Jesus all the days of our life, not turning to the left, not turning to the right, but looking to our King who one day we will see in glory face to face. Holy Spirit, help us, I pray.